0: The other day, uh, we got a a message. I think it was a text message uh, from one of the sisters who attends the church. And she asked if Shelly and I could go down there and pray. Uh, It was her father-in-law who was on the brink of death. And so um, by the grace of God, we were able to go down there. And when we arrived, sure enough, you know, it looked like he was uh, facing his last days. And You know, when you're there in that situation and an individual, you really don't know a whole lot about them or a whole lot about their situation. You know, I have my Bible and of course I could open it up and I could read many passages that are relevant, but ultimately what you want to do in a situation like that is to speak the name of Jesus to them. And so there he is and that's just, that's our heart. You know, Don, um, just trust in Jesus. Trust in the name of Jesus. Don, We want you to know and I pray you'd have this peace that Jesus died for you on a cross and he shed his blood to wash away your sins. And he rose again and just over and over and over again, just speaking the name of Jesus to him. Because we guys know this, huh? that when it comes to life and death, it's not a program, it's a person and his name is Jesus. The Bible says there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. The Bible says in Acts 4.12 uh, that there's only one name uh, given under heaven among men by which we must be saved, nor is there salvation in any other, just the name of Jesus. And so, you know, when, when we study the, the text today and we're talking about death and we're talking about the, the difficulties and the diseases and the delays so much, my my prayer is that it would come across very clearly that that the Lord Jesus Christ is the answer you know what do you do when you find yourself confronted by those things like disease or disappointment or delay or even death my prayer is that we would wholeheartedly look to the Lord that's what we have to do that when we have our faith in our savior that we would be strong And we would place our faith in him, um, not only when we die, but even while we live. And then we know that one day when we're there, and um, I I was thinking about this because Don did eventually pass away. He passed away the next day, that he would know beyond a shadow of a doubt, because one day we'll be there, that um, when you place your faith in Christ, that yeah, you may take your last breath on earth, but then that's followed uh, seamlessly subsequently by your first breath in heaven. That happens when we place our faith in Jesus, and so we're going to see that today. We're we're actually not going to get to the point where we're you know see Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. Lord willing, we'll study that next time. Um, we're going to see that Jesus does raise him from the dead after four days being in the tomb. But um, today we get to kind of move our way towards it, and we'll have that in the back of our mind. And so four things that we'll see today: number one, the sickness. Uh, secondly is the stall because lazarus gets sick jesus doesn't go to him right away he waits uh, a couple of days so the sickness then the stall then the sepulcher and that's another name for tomb how lazarus ends up in the tomb and he's dead and it looks like it's done and all their dreams die but whenever jesus is in the picture there's never the death it's never impossible we see that eventually the Savior comes. So the sickness, the stall, the sepulcher, and the Savior. And so in verse 1 of John chapter 11, it says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. And so here we read that Mary and Martha's brother, Lazarus, uh, was sick. We're not told what it was, but whatever it was, it was a serious uh, condition. And John highlights the fact that this brother is uh, the sibling to two sisters, Martha and Mary. But Mary is the one that he highlights. She was the one we're going to see in John chapter 12 who came to Jesus. And uh, literally this alabaster flask worth thousands of dollars She breaks and she anoints Jesus and then she wipes his feet, if you can visualize it, with her hair. And so there she is wiping the feet of Jesus with her hair. It was a pure act of worship. She was like the only one in the whole world who knew that Jesus was about to die. That's how in tune she was with the Lord. And I think the reason why John mentions her is because of the fact that he wants us to see how special she was. And if she's special to Jesus and, you know, therefore, of course, Martha would be, Lazarus would be. And so these are people that in one sense, Jesus being human on earth, they were close to him. They were tight. They would sometimes stay, Jesus would sometimes stay at their house. And so, um, you know, John tells us what's going on. that that Lazarus is sick. And so, of course, you would figure, well, they're going to call him up and they're going to ask him for prayer. They're going to ask him to intervene. It says in verse three, therefore the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Or we're going to see that three times in this chapter, how the Lord loved them. We see that chapter 11, verse three, uh, verse five. We're going to see it again in verse 36. He loved them. He whom you love is sick. And so we read in verse 4, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, it's not going to end in death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So in those days, they didn't have uh, iPhones to send a message, they would actually literally send a messenger. And so the guy would run, uh, literally he would run 20 miles in this case it would be all the way to Bethabara because the last time we were reading about the life of Christ he was there in Bethabara where John the Baptist had been baptizing because we read uh, John chapter 1 verse 28 that was a city and John chapter 10 verse 40 identifies the fact that that's where Jesus was and so they would send the messenger to tell them that Lazarus was sick and then the messenger would Bring the message back to the sisters and so that's what's going on right here and so they give the message lord the one that you love is sick and then the lord says okay well this sickness is not going to end in death and it's for the glory of god and as a matter of fact it's interesting how jesus says it's for the son's glory for my glory and so um what we find right here is that the lord share some pretty cool things. Um, One of the things that we're going to see as we go through this, just as a quick side note, is that this is another uh, way, another one of those uh, points in which we prove that Jesus is indeed God because God doesn't share his glory with anyone, right? Like if I were to tell you guys, hey, I'm doing this for my glory, what would you guys do? You would stone me and I'd be so proud of you for that, right? Because man, I'm just a, a mere man. I'm, I'm dust. I'm nothing. I'm wretched. I'm wicked. But, but when Jesus says, this is for my glory, then it's another little indication that Jesus is, glo- is God because God doesn't share his glory with anyone. Isaiah 42 verse 8 says, I am the Lord. That is my name and my glory. I will not give to another. And so the Lord says, okay, this is what you need to tell Martha. This is what you need to tell Mary. You go back, Mr. Messenger, and you tell them that this won't end in death. It's for the glory of God, and it's for uh, my glory. You know, I think that's important for us to remember as we go through difficult times, as we go through times that are, we're wondering what's going to happen, and we have questions about life itself. Understand it's for the glory of God. Understand that there's always purpose for the pain. It's the very reason that we exist. I don't know if you guys ever really have, you know, have you come to that conclusion? Why do I exist? You know, philosophers have asked that question. What's the purpose of life? The purpose of your life, of my life, is for the glory of God. That's it. We are to exalt God, and in the process, we can enjoy God. That's what it is. And so even, especially I would say, even the difficult times, the greater the pain, the greater the purpose. And so the Lord says, okay, well, tell them he's going to go through this, you know, and it's going to be a process. It's not going to end ultimately in death. In this situation, it's for the glory of God and that the Son of God would be glorified. I want to encourage you guys as you go through difficulties and some of you are right in the middle of it right now, physical trials, financial trials. I mean, the taxes, you got hit hard with taxes and you're wondering, Lord, how are we going to do this? Or whatever it might be, I want to encourage you to pray. And you know, the Bible says in Psalm 50, verse 15, call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. And that's how Martha was living her life and Mary was living her life and Lazarus were living their life and they were close to Jesus, just like we should be close to Jesus. And when you're close to Jesus, you're gonna get hit with trials, but your life will bring glory to God. And so here is the sickness but then we read something interesting, and that is the stall. Like the Lord doesn't like move right away. Look what it says in verse 5. Now, now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now, how many of you here, when you read that, it makes you scratch your head? You're like, what? It doesn't make sense at first glance. If he loved them... Would he not run to them? I mean, if he loved them, wouldn't he heal his friend instantly from a distance? We know that Jesus could do that. We read that earlier in John chapter 4, verse 46 to 54, how he healed the nobleman's son from a distance. And yet, it's interesting. It says right here that he loved them, so he stayed, so he delayed. He ended up stalling after their calling. And God will do that to us. God will test your faith. You know, we live in a microwave society. We want everything to happen now. And sometimes if it doesn't happen now, you know, we get upset with God. One of my best friends, the guy that actually invited me to church, he left the Lord because he didn't get a girlfriend when he wanted one. Imagine that. Just wait on the Lord, man. God's got the perfect person, the perfect time. Oh, he loved them, so he stayed there two more days. It almost doesn't make sense. But we need to know that waiting on the Lord will give us the will of God. I guess you could say it this way. If he wanted to, he could have healed Lazarus right there and then. But here's the thing. God wanted to do something bigger, something better, something beyond their wildest imagination. And that's what happens when we see things according to his timing. You know, God's love for us, it doesn't give us what we want when we want it. God's love for us is not a a pampering love. It is a powerful love. It is a protective love. It is a purposeful love. And so, you guys, let's live life. Let's wait on him. Let's learn and be encouraged by things like this. Yes, he loves you just like he loved them. But it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to do things exactly the way we want when we want them. We read in verse 7, Then after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. And so the disciples at first, they objected. They said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. So, two days later, the Lord says, Okay, it's time to go to Jerusalem. And the disciples object. They said, Lord, wait a minute. You're a wanted man and not in a good sense. (laughs) Last time you were there, Lord, they tried to stone you. Why do you want to go to Judea? And the Lord gives an interesting answer. He says in verse 9, Well, there's 12 hours in the day, and if you walk in the day, then you're not going to stumble because you 're going to have the light of, of this world, and nowadays it's hard for us to relate because we have lights back then they only had the sun, and so you kind of did things while the sun was shining and and what the Lord is basically saying right here, I believe what he's saying is that as we walk during the day w- again we 're less likely to stumble he's actually just talking I think about being led by the light of god 's insight, being led by the sunshine of the Father, you know that you know. As we go through life, really, and I don't know if you guys live this way. Have you guys noticed this in the Gospel of John? Everything he did, everything he did was, Lord, should I do this? It was always under the Father's timetable. You know, I've learned that basically the safest place so that I don't stumble, I don't fall, I don't, you know, find myself out of the will of God, I don't walk in the dark is when I'm just trying to do the right thing, trying to follow God, trying to. Hear his still small voice. The Bible says, uh, I, will, I will guide you with my eye, the Lord says. And so otherwise, if we're just doing what we want, when we want it, you know, I mean, Sundays i go to church, but the rest of the, days, the rest of the week is mine. No, God says, no, every single day, every single decision, wherever you go, whatever you do, it's always something that we're led by the Lord. You know, I mean, I I don't hesitate to use this as an example, but I'm just going to throw it out there and pray for me that it works out well. But, you know, even like taking my daughter to Target, like I I get, you know, blessed that she says, hey, Dad, you want to go to Target with me? You know, I need to get some food items or something like that, you know? And uh, at first, can you believe how dumb I was? Can you believe at first I'm like thinking about it? I'm like, ah, I really don't feel like going, you know. I want to sit here and eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something stupid like that. And then the Lord finally just turned on a light. He said, what are you talking about? Your daughter wants to hang out with you. She wants to go to Target. I mean, you jump on that, right? And then you're learning that, you know, it's not what your flesh wants. It's what's the right thing to do. God shows us what to do in the Bible, and God shows us what to do when we have a personal relationship with him. And as we're walking in the day, it's the safest place to be as we're bringing everything to him. You know, the, the scriptures that I think of, Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so the Bible will tell you where to go, when to go, to walk in the light. But there's also a passage in Nehemiah nine twelve. It says, moreover, you led them by day with a cloudy pillar and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the road which they should travel and so god will lead you generally biblically but god will lead you personally so that you go uh, at the right time and so now jesus you know is in tune with the father he gets the prayer request he doesn't go right away his father says no wait two more days and then after two more days he goes even though, from a human perspective, it might be seen dangerous, it's the right thing to do. You know, going to Cambodia, going to Mexico, some people might have questions. Well, should we go? It's kind of dangerous, whatever. Going street witnessing al money, we're going to start that up again, you know? It might be a little dangerous. But God says, hey, if, if he tells you to go, then you what we have to do is follow him. And that's all the Lord says right here. And so we read in verse 11, these things he said, And after that, he said to them, our our friend Lazarus sleeps. Now, he's going to give them kind of insight on their mission. Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. And then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. You know, just like we do, huh? we typically soften the blow when we talk about death. Like normally, I wouldn't say, hey, so-and-so died. If they're a Christian, they they passed away or they passed on or they went home to be with the Lord or so-and-so graduated, you know. That's what the Lord does here. Sleep is not to be taken literal. It's a metaphor for death, kind of softening the blow, right? Now, there are some out there, I'll tell you real quick, they believe in soul sleep. They literally believe that when a person dies, they go to sleep. And that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches absent from the body, present with the Lord. The moment that we die, the moment that we die, we either go to heaven or hell. And so we read scriptures like, for example, 2 Corinthians five eight or Philippians one twenty three, where Paul said, for I'm hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart, to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. So when the Lord was talking about sleep, he wasn't saying they're going to sleep. He wasn't literally saying that Lazarus was sleeping. That's how the disciples took it. He was just softening the blow, describing the fact that Lazarus has died. And so they didn't understand. And so he says it real clear in verse 14. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. We're starting to get insight into now why this was allowed, why the difficulties are allowed. Did you guys know that every single challenge, every single difficulty, every single thing that you don't understand, that we don't understand, I believe with all my heart that God is trying to strengthen your faith. What can we do if we have a strong faith? God will make us usable in his hands. You know, what we find, I like the way the New Living Translation puts it. And for your sakes, Jesus said, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. How many of you here today, if you were honest, come on, be honest with God, how many of you here today would say, you know what, I'm not really living 100% for Jesus Christ? I got one foot in and one foot out. In all reality, there are some that I'm really struggling, not, you know, because of whatever the challenges of life are, but because I have like a lot of doubt, I'm just, my heart is not really sold out to God. And and what God is trying to do is, is God is trying to reel us in. God's trying to get us to that place where we really, really believe. That Jesus is my Savior, that Jesus is my Lord, that Jesus is the one that calls the shots, that I was born for him, that I was born with a destiny, that I was born with a mission. There's something that God wants me to do on planet Earth for him. You know, I was talking to someone the other day, and I know that single people, they need to wait until they get married, but it's just so cool when you become a Christian because then your priorities are so clear. It's me and my Lord. It's me and my wife. It's me and my kids. And it's me and my ministry, the ministry that God's called me to do. And that's it. That's how it ends up working. And God ends up blessing. You know, When, when, when they're going to go through this, the Lord says, I'm glad that I wasn't there, that he actually died, because I'm going to raise him from the dead. And your faith will finally be strong. It'll be strengthened. Because you know what? How awesome it is. When you're, if you're not afraid to die, a lot of people, they don't, they're afraid to live because they're afraid to die. No, I'm not afraid. People won't take an airplane to Cambodia because they're afraid to die. You know, a lot of things. God says, listen, I'm glad I wasn't there because I really want you to believe. And what we find is that that's really the, the theme as we're going through the Gospel of John. 101 times in this Gospel, he uses the word believe. Nine times in this chapter, he uses the word believe. Why did this happen? Because God was trying to strengthen their faith. Warren Risby said this. He said, Jesus was constantly seeking to increase their faith. After all, one day he would leave them and they would have the responsibility of carrying on the ministry. If their faith was weak, they could never be strong. And I I just trip out on the miracles that God does. Things that man cannot do. I don't care how smart you are, how strong you are, how much money you have. These are things that man cannot do, but God does through vessels who believe. And this is why as we go through these trials and the Lord even this, it would be a faith builder. And so the Lord says, let's go. Verse 16, then Thomas, who was called the twin, he said to his fellow disciples, well, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, let me ask you guys a question. Some of you guys know the Bible pretty good. When you read Thomas' words, let's go that we may die with him. What do you guys think? What are some of the thoughts that go through your mind? Some of you are probably saying, yeah, right, he wasn't going to die with them. I mean, he's going to abandon them, that when Jesus actually gets arrested, all the disciples quit. There is some aspect to that, and I do know that that's what happened, but I I think there's also some nobility to it, and I think that in one sense, we should echo the words of Thomas. Did you know that Thomas, uh, he was called the twin? Do you know why he was called the twin? And I can hear some of you saying, because he has a twin. Listen, that's not... According to church history, the reason why Thomas was called Didymus or twin is because he looked like Jesus. Believe it or not. And so I was thinking, Lord, I want to be... I should grow my hair. (laughs) Think about it. I could grow it. I could dye it. But here's the thing. If he looked like Jesus... Jesus was a wanted man. Then he goes to Jerusalem. He put himself in danger, huh? But, but that's okay. This is the heart that we should have. Lord, lead my life. And if I have to die to myself, so be it. I want to lay down my life for him. That's what Thomas is saying right here. Now, of course, we know it can't be done without the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what ends up happening eventually when the disciples do get filled. They're able to die the martyr's death. And so we see the sickness, we see the stall and the Lord's delay eventually goes, but then we see the sepulcher in verse 17. That's another name for tomb. It says, and so when Jesus came, he found that he, speaking of Lazarus, had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. And when you look at it, it kind of looks like it's too late, huh? The sickness, the stall, and now the sepulcher, it's almost like three strikes and you're out. It's done. There's nothing you can do now. Maybe some of you are looking at your life or you're looking at your situation and you're thinking, you know what? This is beyond repair. It's too late for me. And here the Lord is just teaching us a lesson. No, this is one of the things that I want to teach you, my daughter. This is one of the things I want to teach you, my son. That when you put Jesus in the equation, it's never too late. You know, Abraham had to wait 25 years. Moses had to wait, some say 40 years Paul had to wait. David had to wait a good 10, 13 years. Joseph as well. And so what we find right here is that the Lord goes. Uh, Lazarus has already been in the tomb for four days. John mentions the fact that Bethany is near Jerusalem probably because he wants to explain why there were so many people there. And they were there getting ready for the Passover holiday And so the Lord is going to minister to everybody. It's going to be a witness to everybody. You know, just as a quick side note, um, I will say this. Isn't it cool when you see someone get saved and someone get on fire? Isn't it cool? How many of you guys have ever seen a new believer that is just in love with God? They're so passionate about God. They love God. And it just oozes all out. Can you guys, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, let me ask you a question. Why isn't that all of us? It should be all of us. Never lose the fire. Never lose the zeal for God. Don't get caught up in this world. Don't get comfortable in this world because it'll take that fire away. Because what ends up happening is God's going to end up raising Lazarus from the dead and he's going to be this witness to everybody on account of him. Many are going to believe. I was talking to a a young lady earlier today and she's so on fire. So on fire for God. God. God got a hold of her Recently, when her brother passed away, and this is so amazing what God is doing in her life. I got uh, to chance on Thursday night to talk to this other guy and he had come from a a funeral that we had done and God got a hold of his heart and he showed up on Thursday. I mean, it's really cool. You guys, what we find is that when God gets a hold of Lazarus, there's going to be a witness to all these people that are watching and Jesus would witness to them his power to raise from the dead. But the cool thing is, is that he has intimate, personal ministry to attend to first. And that is when Jesus would now meet with Martha and Mary. Because God is a personal God, huh? And and that's what he does right here. As we see in verse 19, many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. And so it says in verse 20, Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And So we're not sure why just Martha came. I mean, there's a good chance that Mary had to stay there with the family and friends. Maybe she's making tortillas or something. She's just attending to those who are at the house. All we know is that Martha tended to be the active one while Mary was more contemplative. You know, what we find it is that Martha, when you look at her, she did a lot of serving while Mary did a lot of sitting. And so uh, I was talking to Anthony Ramos the other day, um, and he's he's got eight kids, and we were talking about it. And you can talk to anybody who has any kids, really, and they'll tell you how they're all different. They're all different. So Martha and Mary, they're different. Martha, boom, she finds out Jesus is there, and she runs to him, you know? And so what we find is that as she's there, She comes to Jesus, and it's interesting to me, and I kind of don't know how to take verse 21, but she does say to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, now it makes you wonder, really, like, what, what is she saying right here? I'm not sure if it's just a statement of fact or if it's a judgment call. Lord, why weren't you here? Why didn't you heal him? It could have been, you know, more than just a tinge of disappointment. And when I read it, I definitely see it that way. I sense it that way. She's just pouring out her heart to Jesus. You know, and and I know that uh, we go through that, and sometimes we feel like we need to suppress our feelings, and I understand you can tell Jesus anything, You know, that's why it's important that you have a personal relationship with God. You know, I love my friends. I love my family. But there are things that I can only share with him. And it should be that way. It should. When I go and I get on my knees and I'm talking to God, I pour out my heart to him. And this is really what We see here that that Martha does. And it's okay to ask questions even. You know, one of my favorite albums or CDs in the whole wide world is the one by Stephen Chris Chapman. And the name of the album, I think, is called Questions. And it was an album that he wrote when his five-year-old daughter was ran over by their son. And she died. So that's a double whammy. Number one, your beautiful, beautiful, beautiful five-year-old daughter dies. I mean, she's just beginning to live her life, but not only does she die, she's run over by a vehicle that you know their son is driving. and so, you know, he just had a ton of questions, and, and this, one of the songs that really really got to me, it, the lyrics say this: like, "How could you, God, How could you be so good and strong and make a world with so much pain?" Where were you, God? I know you had to be right there because you never turn your head. And so he's just sharing, you know, the questions that he, I think that Martha was doing the same thing. Again, not 100% sure where she where she was, but isn't it interesting what she says there in verse 22? But, but even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. I mean, and I think in one sense, maybe that's how it works, you guys. You're like, okay, first of all, Lord, I have a question. Lord, I'm just going to pour out my heart to you. This is how I feel. But Lord, um, my brother's life was not thrown away because you're on the throne. And I believe, God, that you can do whatever you want. I kind of think that's what's going on right here. And so the Lord responds in verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, and it almost feels like she backpedals. I I know that he will rise again in in the resurrection at at the last day. Um, But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. In the Greek language, it's what's called the double negative. And so basically it says, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never, never die. And for us, this is huge. You know, I mean, I think about the church sometimes, and uh, even today on my way in, I was thinking about what a blessing it is to be a part of the church what a blessing it is you guys give money and then we get to give thousands of dollars to the people in poland because of the ukrainian refugees uh, are are fleeing there and because of your generosity they're able to hear about jesus and i think what a beautiful church that we have or you guys give finances or support to a ministry called options uh, which uh is fighting for the most vulnerable people on planet Earth and that are the infants within their mother's womb and because of your prayers and because of your giving. You know, what a difference it makes, you know, to bring life. And then I was thinking that if there's anyone here, and I'll even say it again today, who's struggling financially because gas is so expensive, you know, and just so much is going on and you need food. We have food cars that have been donated to us. We've been giving them out left and right What a a beautiful church that we have, and we have people that are pouring into your children at all ages. And let me tell you something, even there in the nursery, they're sponges and they're learning about Jesus. And that will be for their benefit for the rest of their life. They're learning things right now that will never be taken from them. And they're learning about the Lord from people who love them in the children's ministry, in the high school ministry, young adults ministry, men's ministry, women's ministry. There's a lot going on here. We're trying to be a light, you know, I get to serve as a chap and with the Almighty Police Department. There's a lot of really cool things that we get to do as a church. But at the end of the day, ultimately what happens, what we're here, I guess in one sense to do, is um, preparing you for the day that you die. We will all be there one day. We don't know when. And what we're finding out as we're reading this passage right here, Jesus says, you know if you believe in me, then you'll never never you won't you won't really ever die. You know our last breath here will be followed by our first breath there. You know, one day, and this is my prayer, and I know God's grace and God's Holy Spirit, he's the one that does it, but this is my prayer that, you know, one day when you're there, because you were taught the Bible, because you were prayed over, because you were part of a a good church, no perfect church, but a sincere church, that you won't be afraid, that you will not be afraid, that, you know, when you're there in that moment of time, one day we'll be there. That there will be a peace. There will be like this flood, like this river that overflows you. Man, I'm about to enter into glory. And then when we experience the passing of our loved ones in Christ, it it carries us through those difficult times. See, this is what the Lord is saying right here. Martha's like, okay, I know my brother will will rise at that, that general resurrection when everyone else does. But it's just so cool to me because Jesus says, Martha, it's not a program, it's not a process, it's a person. I know you're thinking about that in a doctrinal state, but I am, Jesus says, the resurrection and the life. And that's why, you know, when I opened up the service and we got into our study right here, I was telling you that it's it's about Jesus. It's about the name of Jesus, about the person of Jesus. And what we're finding, we're going to see it. We're not going to get there this week, but Lord willing, next time, if you want to, I'll give you the permission to go ahead and read the rest of the chapter. And you're going to find that Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And homeboy comes up. He's wrapped in grave clothes, but it doesn't, he just, man, he just rises up because after four days, Jesus is able to deliver him. You know the Jews had a superstition that the soul would hang around the body for three days, and therefore Jesus had to wait four days because he wanted to make sure that nobody thought that this was some type of uh, natural thing. That he they knew clearly that when it looked impossible, that Jesus was the one that defeated death. You know, it's so important for us to know um, who he is. You know, if you're here and maybe you're you know you're, you're a new timer. We're, we don't preach ourselves. We don't preach the church. Yes, the church is a way to gather together uh, and, and be able to, you know, help each other. But when you start looking at every single person here who knows what's going on, they know what's up. They're just pointing you to Jesus, because He's the one that gives us the victory. And so, you know, when you read this right here, I, I would just close with this. It says, "And whoever lives and believes in Me shall never die." He asks her, do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Do you believe? Honestly. You know, I say this not to offend you, but you know what, even I, sometimes people will ask me, hey, Manny, you got to check your heart. Because just because you're a pastor doesn't mean you get a free pass. I just want you guys to know that, right? There's a lot of pastors who are, who are not real, and they're going to end up in hell because they didn't really know the Lord. Is You can do a sermon, you can do a teaching, you can whatever, do that in a church or position, but it doesn't necessarily mean you know the Lord. So I have to ask myself, and I want to ask you guys that. Do you really believe? And I love Martha's response. Yes. Yes, Lord. I believe you're the Christ, the Son of God, the one who was to come into the world. Isn't that cool? And as a result of that, yeah, she has life. She has victory over death. I was thinking about our brother Reuben, you know, who passed away recently. And there's no doubt in my mind he's dancing in heaven. Um, can't wait to see him. You know, thinking of others. Uh, that we know Johnny and and Joey and Jose and so many, you know, and we don't know who's next, you know. But that's life, right? And just understanding that 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 we have victory over that in Christ, and not just life when we die. But isn't it cool, you guys? Life while you live, honestly, you know, it's a blessing. You know, I don't know if you guys uh, are familiar with the comedian Woody Allen. Uh, Woody Allen, I think he's Jewish, and this is what he said. He said, I don't want to achieve immortality through my work. I want to achieve it through not dying. That's what he said, being funny, right? And and the thing about Woody Allen is the only way you can do that through not dying is how? Jesus. So somebody's got to write to Woody Allen. Somebody's got to reach Woody Allen. I think Woody Allen was interviewed by Billy Graham, huh? Or Billy, yeah. No, the other way around. (laughs) Billy Graham was interviewed by Woody Allen. And man, you guys got to check it out on YouTube. He shared the truth with him. So this is how we defeat death. What's his name? Jesus. Can I ask you a question today? Do you believe? In your heart.